0: Welcome to the Brattlecast, stories about books, old, rare, and out of print. The people who buy, sell, appraise, and collect them. And it is a joy to be here, as always. I'm Jordan Rich with the proprietor of the famous Brattle Bookshop in Boston on West Street. His name is Ken Gloss. And if you're a fan of the podcast, and that means many of you around the world, just strap in, hold on to your seats, because we've got some great stuff for you. First of all, uh, you just came back as we taped this from another... Antique Roadshow tour.
1: I was uh, there. This is uh, 2022, but we're taping the 2023 season now. <laughs> yes. So I was just in Nashville, uh, taping there, and actually it was great because this is the first one that they're getting back to having crowds come uh-huh. to to seeing the groups of people to seeing things uh, come in, in in large numbers, and That's uh, great. and it. It's nice. Nashville's a wonderful city, too. But also, a lot of the fun of the roadshow for people who do it is the socializing, Mm. is seeing the area, the country. I I and myself, since we're going to be talking about some travel in this podcast, uh, we had a friend in Savannah, Tennessee.
0: Not Not
1: Georgia. Not Georgia. (laughs) uh, About two and a half hours, but we drove back roads through to almost the Mississippi border, Beautiful, beautiful country and saw our friend on the Tennessee River. And so the world's opening up a little.
0: Indeed it is. And you you tease the fact that we're going to be talking about travel not only in this podcast but in a few to follow. And the first one is a fascinating subject matter. And the take you have is particularly interesting. We're going to be focusing on the Alaska Gold Rush from uh, one person's perspective
1: perhaps? Well, from one person in particular – when you, First of all, when you say gold rush, people immediately think of California and the gold rush uh, in the 1840s, uh, early 50s. But there was another gold rush in the 1890s in Alaska. It was found up in the outside of the uh, the main cities, uh, Juneau and so on. But that in itself was pretty amazing. And it was also a pretty difficult country and uh, and we have a man who left from the East Coast. We have about 23, 25 letters. Now, one of the nice things about his letters is he had good handwriting.
0: Oh, that helps. Uh, <laughs> well, so. yeah, not everybody does. Well, it, you
1: know, it, it really uh, made it easier. And one of the things when we get groups like this is uh, one of the things we first ask people, well, you've got 22 letters from the person in, in the Gold Rush What did they say? And most of the time, people really haven't read all the letters. And uh, when we were talking with this person, they, they told us they had read some, not all, but one of the things that really, really caught our eye on this, not the amount of gold they found, not even so much the difficulties of the trip, but their relative who was on this didn't start out, but he became the cook. So he goes into great detail in these letters about buying supplies, uh, about how they cooked, what was working, who was eating, what worked out. And most of, again, most of the letters you get of this type of thing uh, or type of travel is we'll be writing back and someone will say it was cold, it was hard, Uh, we found a little gold or we didn't find any gold. But they tend to be very weather-oriented, uncomfortable. But you don't really get the insight as to how they were actually living, what they were doing. And, uh, and there are a lot of people very, very interested in collecting anything about cooking. So the fact that the minute they mentioned that to us, we started negotiating and uh, they agreed to mail all these letters up to us. The letters were actually in the Midwest, uh, and when we got them, one of the first things you had to do, and and people don't always think of this when you're buying letters and journals. Uh, One of our employees probably spent about two days reading, not transcribing completely, but reading and then transcribing all the salient details out of it, and we really wanted to make sure it got into cooking, and it did. And we got to buy them.
0: I have a question since you have traveled a lot. Have you been to Alaska?
1: No. I. I through the Antiques Roadshow, I have yeah. been to 48 of the 50 states.
0: Oh, my goodness. I have okay.
1: never been to West Virginia, and I don't know why because I've been all around it. Uh, we have a friend who is, uh, just uh, bought a house in Washington, D.C., and I said to my wife, we're going to make a trip to West Virginia just to get that one off. And then, hopefully, the Antiques Roadshow will eventually get up to Alaska, and not only will we go for the show, but we'll probably stay a week or so extra. But I am determined to make it.
0: I've been to Alaska on a cruise, a phenomenal trip. And the reason I asked the question is, I didn't know much about the Klondike Rush and all that, but you get up there and you realize some of these old historic towns were were built solely to accommodate the... The prospectors and, of course, the women of ill repute who took care of the prospectors.
1: <laughs> and, and, and the other thing that uh, I always found interesting about Alaska, and again, this is really going off, but my son-in-law played baseball in the Cape Cod League, oh. and he had seriously considered doing the Alaska League they have a very good baseball league up there because he wanted to play midnight baseball without you, lights.
0: You can actually do that. It's the weirdest thing. I was there in, in time to see that happen, and they they do. The light is on naturally till about ten or eleven o'clock. It's wild. So these letters, you, you've got a pile of them on the desk here, and I'll I'll ask to see some of them, and maybe I can relate my my thoughts. But when you when you hold letters like this that are well over a hundred years old, right? Uh, it, it's it's living history, even though it's an individual we may not have heard of. This is the real deal.
1: Well, one of the big attractions of the value of letters, autographs, diaries is that it brings that right back to you. I mean, if you get into someone famous like George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Albert Einstein, you know, you're touching something that Abraham Lincoln touched. So it has that to it. But when you're reading these letters, he was writing home, relating his circumstances, what was going on. And and yes, history comes to life. And one of the other important things about these diaries that comes up many times is we'll get a call and someone will say, my father, uncle, cousin, aunt, whatever, wrote a diary about what of some major event, whatever it is. Mm. And one of the first things we ask is, did is that the diary that they carried in their pocket, that they went back to their room at night and they wrote in at the time? Or is this something that 10 or 15 years later they were recounting what they remembered? Mm. And it's these letters in the type that they wrote at the time that are really the important, because memory has a way of editing, Yes. And uh, so the fact that these are the actual letters that he was sending home. Let me home. just
0: take a peek Gander here. Uh, yep. So the man's name looks to be Charles Leach. Is yes. that right? Charlie yes. Leach. And uh, these are well preserved in these plastic cases to protect them. But it says here September 1898, which kind of makes sense because I believe the gold rush in Alaska started in the late 80s, early 90s.
1: Uh, Actually, more mid, mid to later.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that makes sense. Wow. And here he is, dear wife.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And 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 you also think of this. He went off to the gold rush in Alaska to to make his fortune, but when you do that. Getting to Alaska, you don't hop on Alaska Airways and you're there the same day or the next day. You know, this is almost a a year-long expedition. The other thing about doing it in Alaska, which he goes into in this, is you really need to do it from spring to fall, which is a short season up there, because you don't want to be doing this in the middle of the winter. Uh, It's hot enough uh, going out, but if you think about it, you want to be prospecting in the summertime. And there, there are also other problems that he refers to a little beyond supplies. You know, there are mosquitoes. There are lots and lots of mosquitoes when you get out. So it was camping. It was rough uh, times. But what he describes it is taking the trains from the East Coast to the Midwest, and there was a group that he went with, and then getting to San Francisco, and you know, and he was talking about going to the opium dens. He didn't like them. Right. He, he wasn't. Uh, he didn't like French food either. He liked good old-fashioned American food. He wasn't in the big city experimenting with. So he didn't like the better food in San Francisco. But then he would talk about. You know the camping equipment, what they had to buy out there, uh how you could spend a thousand dollars fifteen hundred, which at the time was like spending ten, fifteen twenty thousand dollars uh but he goes into detail uh the man who was supposed to be the cook didn't work out, so he was talking about buying beans what type of pot you use, how much water you use, uh, how some things didn't work out. They bought a lot of saccharin even back at that time, but they hated it. Mm. But if you mashed it up and put it either in the milk or on the rice, it was somewhat edible. But, you know, they were saying they spent a lot of money to get some sugar in their diet, and uh, that didn't Mm. work out. And he sort of each day is talking about what was going on. One day, one of the uh, members of the expedition got sick, Uh, not on the food, but got sick. (laughs) But it cost $15 to get a doctor to come out and look at him. That's a lot of money at the time. But where I think that this really, really uh, is going to be where eventually it ends up is he's describing all the— things he had to buy, how he had to go out and get them, who he was buying them from, the quantities that he needed. Uh, they one time uh, hunted a bear. They caught the bear. and He was talking about they had great steaks from the bear meat. Uh, and uh, you also had to be very careful of the food, that, it, that you had to make sure nothing got at it. Uh, mm. So it, it was fascinating, and like I say, Oh, they didn't find any gold, by the way.
0: Oh, I was, they, they, they didn't. <laughs> no, the, the gold— that, that, That's the obvious question. How much gold did these guys bring in and the, sift through? The,
1: no, they didn't find any gold, and at the end of the essentially the season, they ended up going back home, and uh, he had great letters. Probably his relatives made more off of these letters that they sold to us, and we might make more in the profit— than he even came close to making. I mean, they'd find a touch here and there. Uh, but when you—again, when you're looking at a diary, or this is essentially a diary in letters, what you're looking for is content. Right? Do you, does it transport you there? Does it tell you something that isn't in every book? And that's one of the great things about this, It's even the books about the gold rush in Alaska— They talk more about how they mined, what they did, how they got there, even the transportation, maybe even some of um, the—it was very, very difficult getting into the gold fields. I mean, Valdez was a long way away, so just the hike and the ice and the snow that was still left there. But they don't normally get down to the day-to-day, how did you camp— what was it like or if they did it was just saying it was wet it was cold it was windy it was raining and this man goes no you you can you
0: can see the the movie in your head i mean you can paint that picture based on his descriptions and and by the way he's not thinking of us 150 years later he's thinking of his wife and his friends back home but what a story what a gift he left he
1: was giving the uh he was giving the real day to day and The other nice part about it, he was obviously very well-educated, very literate, and these letters were also easy to read. Not only did he have good handwriting, but his grammar, his writing was good because you also can run into sometimes diaries like this that the language used or the way they wrote, you almost have to interpret also.
0: That's interesting, Ken. It it suggests that what we think of as the typical gold miner uh you know is rough and tumble bearded drinking swilling you know kind of rough neck and uh here's a guy who sounds very reasonable and very cultured enough to uh to be that prolific as a Trevor Burrus,
1: no no question about it and uh and because he is good he also describes things in detail and especially when you get into the eating because you know that's an important part
0: that's what of we life. all care about uh, we want to know what they ate and how they ate and how and, they cooked and
1: how they prepared it so what really caught my eye in this was not the gold but him and even from the start he was talking about the food in san francisco the food along the way when he didn't know he was going to end up being the cook also the budgeting he goes into detail about how he's trying to save money with this and save money with that and again ultimately the it no didn't no
0: amazon.com in those days no the they did the old fashioned way
1: they didn't fly drones up and deliver <laughs> food and uh and, you know that's one thing you don't think about now one thing that was different and my father one time had a great gold rush diary of california but that was in the 1840s, mm-hmm. and they had to go by boat to Panama, by foot cross Panama, which was very difficult, then boat up to the, uh, the Gold Rush area of California. At this point, there were railroads, so at least they got across the country a little bit easier and so on. Now, right. the interesting thing about that Gold Rush diary, my father had found it in a big auction group Uh, and he always liked to say, I bought a baby with a book. Uh, (laughs) At the time, he was just starting out. My mother was pregnant. Uh, They didn't have insurance. He got this diary. He didn't have money to pay the hospital bills, sold the diary, went to the treasurer at the hospital, paid the bill, went to my mother and picked up my sister.
0: Not a dowry, (laughs) a diary.
1: (laughs) So... but. That's the great thing about a lot of this type of material. It's the story. It's how much of the story. And we're hoping that this one, because of the cooking, either ends up with a really avid cookbook collector or in a library uh, that specializes in cooking because it gives insight that you don't normally get. And it's fun
0: it is absolutely fun we've got more fun topics so many more to get to on the Brattlecast. cast but uh, that was really a great trip down memory lane now remember folks you can go to the website which is brattlebookshop.com and find out more listen to back episodes and make suggestions ken is always looking for uh, requests as they say and we will take them up and uh, continue thank you my friend see you next time well thank you